We're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 this morning. Uh, it's good to be here, isn't it? Uh, it's good to fellowship with God's people. And 1 Corinthians 12. As we continue here in our One Another uh, series, uh, a study of these reciprocal plural pronouns, uh, we're going to talk about unity today. And so, um, hopefully you're ready for it. Uh, in Let's read verses uh, 18 through 27 in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in uh, the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. And now the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members or but that the members should have the same care one for another. Uh, you're creating a schism, if you will, a division. This is a work of God. Do you believe that? Do you take it seriously or is it a joke? Is it just some, you know, this isn't the club down the road where we just gather together and have a good time and fellowship and, and pat each other on the back. No, this is a work of God. We have a mission to do. We have souls to reach. God's given us a command to do that. Do you trust what he's doing? That he brought you here to this body? Are you convinced that you're here by his leading? So what I would say, if you have concerns with the fundamentals of the doctrine, really, why would you have joined? But those can be dealt with anyway. And there's nobody here that I think would be resistant to that. You know, I know pastor would never be resistant to that. But, but what I want you to understand is, rarely is it an issue of a fundamental thing. But we're stuck on uh, our preferential concerns or issues and how we want things to be done. Listen this morning, and I know I said this last week, our church will cease to be effective for the gospel if there are schisms. We will not be allowed to accomplish what God has commanded us to do. All the infighting and, and the, those types of things distract many a church from their responsibility and their capability to carry out the Great Commission. Uh, it really hinders that ability. And I, I shared this uh, quote with you from Albert Barnes last week. He says this, The readiest way to destroy the spirituality of a church and to annihilate the influence of religion is to excite a spirit of contention. Boy, if you want to just vacate any ability for the, the ability of our church to go forward for the cause of Christ, start causing problems and divisions. Listen, I want you to purpose in your heart to not be the source of division among us. And I don't know of anything specific. I don't know anybody. I, this, is, this was just something that... I. It's actually been on the list in, in some of the things that I was going to cover uh, for a number of weeks now. 
Uh, and so I don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm pointing fingers at anybody because I'm not. I really honestly don't know of anything uh, that is really uh, intentional. But what I do want to do today is give you some practical things that we can do as a church to be unified and to be of the same mind. And so um, if you would with me just this morning, uh, let me just share some things uh, that I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be ugly. I just want to be a help. Because if God has put us here, who are we to fight against that? And so let's pray as we continue this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together here, Lord. And it's good to be with your people. Lord, it's encouraging to be around other folks that, uh, Lord, are walking with you and desiring uh, to honor you with their life. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bind us together in one mind and in one heart that we might go forward for the cause of Christ. And Lord, help us to put aside any of our petty, selfish, or self-serving preferences or concerns, Lord, that we might honor you in all areas of our life, and we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So we ought to be unifiers of the faith, right? So the things that we preach here, right, should be the same. The things that come from the pulpit are the same thing that the people are saying in the community. Because we're unified in the Word of God. We're unified on our focus of Christ and, and, and reaching others. And uh, I found this interesting or maybe a little bit silly illustration. One morning a pastor was preaching to some children in a children's church setting. And he was talking about this idea of unity and he said, God wants all of us to be one. And this little girl interrupted him and said, hey, pastor... I want to be four. <laughs> Obviously, she meant it differently than what he was trying to teach and explain to them. You know, but how often is that the case with us? We have our preferences and our desires. And when things don't measure up to what we want, all of a sudden we're going to create a problem. Uh, rather than dealing with it. Uh, with the Lord oftentimes. The reality is if you just walk with God and, and get in the house of prayer and, and deal with some things, you won't even, it won't even be a problem. Because you would re- understand how undone you are and be like, who am I to think that I am justified to go tell somebody to correct an issue? So but that little girl, she just wants to be four. But it's easy for us to be in our little cliques that are not uni- really unified with the rest of the church. And listen, I'm not saying you're best friends with everybody in the church. And so the idea of a clique, I would say, usually takes a negative connotation where it's exclusive that you're excluding other people. And we need to be careful of that. But that doesn't mean that you have the same things in common and you fellowship with people all the time at the same level with everybody. Because the reality is, I just don't like Brother First as much as I like Brother Benson. So I'm going to spend more time with Jared than, than Brother Tom. I'm trying to make it a little bit light, but I think you understand what I'm saying. You know, if you're a car guy, you're probably going to talk to people that do car things. You know, if you hunt and fish, you're probably going to talk to those kind of folks. If you're a bookworm, you're going to talk to the book group. Uh, That's what I'm saying this morning. It's okay to have friend groups within the church, but we still should have the same care one for another. There's no group that's uh, greater or less than the other. 
We just have more commonalities, perhaps, and maybe personality things that we connect with people. And that's a good thing because, remember, God tempered us together. God has put this thing together. He's bringing all these, these pieces, all these parts together to make us one. Uh, listen, God wants us to be one in our homes and in our churches. Uh, we ought to be one at home. And if listen, it's really hard to be one at church if you're not one at home. If your home has schisms, if your home has trouble and it's divided, it's hard to come here and to be one. And so, man, listen, you ought to be the leader of your home and, and try to take care of those things and make sure that your family's united. And that doesn't mean anybody's perfect and there won't be problems at times, but we have to deal with them and address them. Listen, disunity is our default setting. In our sin nature, that's just the default setting is disunity. It's not natural for us to just be unified and of one mind. Uh, we tend to be backbiters in, in those kinds. James 4, 1, 2 says this, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, uh, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Listen, we, we got to seek God and His power to unify us. Because it's not natural in our flesh to desire that unity necessarily. Now, in Christ, you would think that we would get over that. Jew, Greek, whatever, right? But that's not the case. Because uh, pride. We'll get to that, hopefully, if we don't run out of time. We must, by the power of Christ, strive to be unified. We ought to strive for a 1 Corinthians 1.10 church. That we are of one mind. Uh, and that there's no divisions and that we all speak the same thing, and that we're just unified in Christ. To be perfectly joined together in the same mind and judgment, we must all have the same focus. That's the key here. What is your focus, and what are you wanting to get out of this assembly? Are you trying to honor and glorify God? Or are you trying to be served and catered to by the rest of the folks here. If your focus is Christ, listen, all those other things, uh, I, I know many of you, we talk, when we're shooting, you talk about that sight picture and what ought to be blurry and what ought not. But listen to me this morning. If you have Christ as your focus and he's in clear view, all those other things will begin to be blurry and they will be crowded out. And those things that you thought were big issues, they're really not. And so a lot of times it is really a revelation of where your heart is and where your focus is when you begin to say things or you're disgruntled or you're frustrated about things. And listen, we'll get to it. I'm not saying there aren't times to bring things up. And listen, we're not opposed to any ideas. That's not what I'm saying. But I think you understand it's a heart matter. It's about your intent and what you're trying to accomplish there. If you just want it for your way, for your way's sake then that's not the right reason. So the focus must be on Christ. But I'm afraid that's not always the case. For we often allow our preferences to take center stage. And that's when divisions and contentions and fighting, and James calls it wars. And he even said they started killing each other in there. Uh, Unbelievable. Listen, don't sugarcoat it. We're in spiritual warfare. And so for you to say, well, I'm just going to hide behind my self-righteous attitude that one day they'll grow to the level that I'm at. People are giggling, but 
People say that stuff. Like, well, when they, they'll, one day they'll understand what, I, what, what, what I'm seeing here. Listen, it's about Christ. Where's your focus? It's not about you and, and your desires and your thoughts. And, and so, uh, listen, that kind of an attitude is negatively affecting the body as a whole. We read the scripture. It says if one hurts, they all hurt. I know when I smash my toe, my body gets excited. I start to jump up and down and those kind of things. If I could put it in my mouth, I probably would. You kind of, everything gets involved. And so, listen, you might think it's only affecting you, but that poor attitude, that negative attitude, that critical spirit is affecting our ability for the cause of Christ. And listen, you're hindering the gospel. That's going to be a terrible day when you stand before the Lord. Your attitude, your selfishness, hindered a body of believers from going forward. That's a sobering thought. We need to be unifiers of the fellowship. I, the Bible's clear. There should be no divisions among us as believers in Christ. Uh, but oftentimes a schism takes place when someone uh, takes up the offense of another person. Uh, you know, you get a family member or a friend, they have a disagreement or a conflict with somebody, uh, we take up that offense for them and we begin to take sides and uh, they only increase the degree, disagreement and division. It, it, there's nothing positive that comes from that. Proverbs 17 sheds some light on this. He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, uh, but he that repeateth the matter separateth the very friends. Listen, when we cover up an offense, we not go around talking about it, the issue, and thereby encouraging people to take sides. We can, we can put it to death if we're wise. Listen, the more people that know about an issue or a concern or, or, or some type of a matter uh, isn't always good. <laughs> Many small disagreements or hurts have split families. They've split churches over small stuff. Stuff that we, we chuckle about. Oh, man, they got all divided about the color of their roof. Those stories are real. <laughs> and so uh, don't let this root of uh, of contention or any in any sense enter our congregation. And it says, He that repenteth the matter separateth the very friends. Boy, or repeateth the matter. Boy, you keep going on and on and making a big deal out of this thing, gossiping, bringing it up. Boy, you're going to bring separation. Yeah. There's going to be trouble. Listen, it's a sin to take up offense and repeat it. Yes. Period. It's sin. Uh, it's gossip, busybody. Uh, it brings disunity and conflict. We don't need to take up someone else's offense. The Lord's going to be better at it than we are anyway. So whether it's at church, school, work, it doesn't matter. Avoid it. Stay away from it. Uh, there's no need to, to add wood to the fire. <clears throat> if there's an injustice or a true problem, uh, there's proper channels you can go through. The Bible gives us ways to handle uh, difficulties in uh, so you need to use those things that are at your disposal. Uh, there's, uh, you need to go talk to people is the bottom line. But in our pride, in our arrogance, uh, we don't want to do that. And there, I think a lot of times because the root of that is we're not right. So we're not even on the right side of the argument. We're just doing it for our selfish reasons. So it's really hard to go and talk to somebody uh, when you know that you're wrong. Don't ever gossip. Just avoid it. Here's three, 
three things that we can do, I think I've got plenty of time, uh, that can help us to be unifiers of the fellowship. Say no to gossip. Simple. Not much destroys the unity of a church more than gossip. Talking about people. Uh, and, you know, I think everybody understands that you're talking about them in a negative way with no intent to help or encourage or strengthen. Uh, and it just comes down to you being judgmental of them on your high horse, lifted up in pride. And James deals with that too. Who are you? Uh, and I can't remember the reference, but who are you to judge another man's servant? Boy, goodness, he's going to answer on his own. Whoso privately, private, privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Psalm 101.5. The Lord is not pleased with this at all. Uh, it, it's uh, an abomination to him. So just determine that you're not going to do it. Because here's the good news. Proverbs 26.20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. We can put it into any of it just by not participating, by refusing to get involved. And so listen this morning. And again, I don't, I don't really don't know of any major divisions or contentions, but this is, we need to have the same care one for another because I think everybody knows, I don't know if there's any visitors here, but everybody knows I'm pretty new to being on staff here at the church. But I didn't come on staff to play games. I'm not here just because it's a great social club to be involved in. I'm here because I want to serve God. And so if God's put us here together, if there's anything that's dividing us, we all ought to be willing to say, hey, we're going to deal with this. We're going to squash it. And so go to people if you need to. Uh, number two, I, I said there's three. Number two, support church leaders. One of the best ways uh, to be a unifier of the church is to support church leadership. That's one of the best ways to do it in any organization, outside church or otherwise. In the military, uh, that's just how God's made things to work. Uh, follow the leadership. Uh, and listen, if there's legitimate reasons that we shouldn't be following church leaders, whether it's a false doctrine or you know, perhaps a, a, a failure morally or something that's disqualified somebody uh, or something like that. But listen, I know of nothing like that in our church. And so the, the reality is we ought to be getting behind our leaders. And this is hard to say because of where I'm at now. But I believe this well before where I was at today. I preached this verse, Hebrews 13, 7, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I preached that well before I even considered God was going to call me to do what I'm doing today. Because it's a biblical principle, and if we're focused on Christ and we want to honor God, whatever the Bible says, every word that proceeds out of his mouth, we need to be obedient to it. Brother Jared, he was sharing a testimony yesterday in men's prayer, and somebody asked him, do you believe every word? Yeah, every word. Listen, we say that we do, do we, but do we believe it enough to put it in practice in our life? And does it convict us when we realize we're out of step with what God's teaching and what the Word of God is telling us? Uh, so, yeah, you are to obey them and submit yourself to them. 
And listen, I prom- I've never experienced any lording over God's heritage here. Far from it. And so, listen, you need to submit yourself to the leadership. And again, if you don't believe God wants you here or God brought you here, then perhaps maybe you should leave. And I say that very carefully. I'm not trying to tell you to get out of here because uh, I think we can work through any concern that anybody would have. But what I'm saying, if it's sincere and genuine and you don't believe God says you should be here, then you're just here and causing problems for no reason, even if it's unintentionally. But you need to get, un- get involved and get behind the leadership. Listen, it's a serious matter to be a pastor. And I know our pastor takes it seriously. Very evident. And he knows this verse. He knows he's going to give an account. We all understand that. And so when he is preaching and teaching, he's just preaching and teaching God's word. And it's the Holy Spirit, perhaps, that is pounding you in the heart going, hey, so don't get mad at the preacher. You need to come to the altar and take that up with the Lord. The preacher's just doing it for your good. Listen, he's not doing anything that's unprofitable for you. <laughs> I promise you. He, nobody wants to waste anyone's time. So as an overseer, we ought to submit ourselves to their leadership. And, uh, and their leadership and all that comes primarily from the teaching and preaching of God's word. So when we talk about being of one mind and we're unified and we're in unity, if you're focused on Christ and you're in the word of God and the word of God is preached and taught, it's going to match up pretty good. Because it's the same. And so just don't let your flesh creep in and and tell you otherwise. Uh, I know pastors take it very seriously. And I'm sure there's pastors out there that may not, but I don't know if I've ever come in contact with one. Uh, And uh, at the time, (laughs) to decide that is before you join a church, probably. Is this guy a clown or is he a preacher? Is he a pastor? And listen, we don't have a clown by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, We are very blessed with our pastor here. Uh, Very blessed. And you'll find that out today as I preach. We'll be ready for him to come back. Listen, I'm going to stand before God one day for this role that I'm in. It's not a joke. And, And I'm not demanding followership by any means. I'm just saying, if this is of God, let's get on board. We just have different positions and different roles. That's all. But we're all here for the same thing. Uh, Such a solemn responsibility. So solemn, James tells us that we shouldn't rush to to try to be many masters in in James chapter 3. But here, as we uh, have a few last minutes, number three, I want to tell you, start the unity process. We should be proactive to take the first step. There's usually one, and I alluded to this earlier, there's usually one reason people are unwilling to take the first step, and it's pride. Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh contention. Pride just prevents unity from being restored as well. It comes, and then all of a sudden we got this problem, and because of our pride, we refuse to address it and deal with it. But we need to be proactive in that. Uh, we need to obey Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, or, chapter 4, yeah, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness 
and meekness and long-suffering. Look what it says here. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We should be diligently endeavoring to keep unity in our, in our congregation. But like I said, our flesh doesn't like that. Like the default setting is, well, I don't like how that happened. We need to put that to rest. We need to mortify that. That's of the flesh. Uh, what a terrible attitude to have. Uh, and so, but if you're not careful, we, that's where we'll, we'll default to. So if you have a problem or a complaint, what do you do? Go home and stew and fume and sulk and allow the devil to just continue to build that? No. If it's a problem with a person, go to that person. Imagine that. That's scripture. It teaches us to go to people. <laughs> but don't go to them in the spirit of bitterness. And don't go to them in the spirit of I'm right and we're going to correct this problem. That's not the right attitude to go to them. Uh, here's another example from Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. Listen, when we do it biblically, we open the channels of communication in a spirit that's conducive to reestablishing unity. The goal is not to go and establish that you're right and your way's better. I mentioned earlier, a lot of times we're wrong when we have that kind of attitude anyway. Perhaps you're on the right side of an argument, but that's still not the right attitude to have. And so the goal is to restore unity, regardless of who's the wrong on either side. Uh, listen, when we speak the truth in love, uh, even if you don't agree totally, there's the term we can agree to disagree. Sometimes you don't see eye to eye on everything, but you can come to a, a conclusion that, you know what, this really isn't that big of a deal. Why am I going to bring a schism in the body over something so insignificant? Most conflicts in a church are due to miscommunication or no communication or communication behind the back. Gossip, we talked about that. We can put that to rest. Listen, the only true way to solve a problem is to communicate in the love of Christ. Humble and with a little forbearance. Sometimes it takes patience. And don't ever forget how patient and forbearing Christ was with you. And treat others that way. Listen, it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes there is contention. Sometimes people are difficult. That happens. But uh, look at what Romans 12, 18 says. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So if there is a problem, it should not be due to a lack of effort on our part. We can go to bed at night with a clear conscience saying, I know I've done everything I can to ensure that I'm at peace with all men. I mean, we can't even get a hold of that here at the church. How are we going to do that in the rest of the world? But listen to what I'm saying this morning. Sometimes it put, takes a little effort on your part. Uh, a little prayer, perhaps, some preparation. And, and I think a lot of it just comes down to humility because you're unwilling to uh, put aside yourself and, and your desires. So, and here's, this is a tip. And this is free. We'll, we'll wrap up here. Um, I'm almost at the end here, but 
And this is just something that I learned from somebody that taught me this uh, years ago. Uh, and I've heard it over and over throughout my time in church. But if you have a problem, uh, something of the church, or even if it's, it's something that you just need help with, the best time to get help is not right before a church service. that's really the worst time. Um, And so don't bombard our pastor with concerns and thoughts and all this gobbledygook before he gets up in the pulpit. He has labored and prayed and prepared to deliver the word of God. And then if he's bombarded with all these things that oftentimes can be somewhat trivial, when you think of the spiritual warfare that he's about to take place in the pulpit. And listen, he hasn't said a word to me. This is, like I said, it's free. But I just know through experience, it can be difficult to get up in front of people. And you've, you've labored, you've studied, and the, the devil wants none of it. And so there's this spiritual war taking place, and then people are just vomiting up all kinds of nonsense and things that could have waited. And listen, it's not because he doesn't care for you. He will make time for you. He will adjust his schedule. He will change uh, the order of his day or his week or whatever it is so that he can minister to you. I've seen it over and over. And and so that's not the point. It's not a matter of he doesn't want to deal with you. But it's a matter of timing and what God's getting ready to accomplish among us as a people. And so you don't want to distract him from what God has given him that, that is for us. He's about to feed you. So, so just don't do that. If, and I would say there might be a rare occasion where that might be the case. But I, I don't know. I can't think of one right now. Maybe if there's a, a death in the foyer or something. You might bring that up. <laughs> but a better idea would be to call the church office. Set up an appointment. You know, and, and say, hey, I, I have this concern. I, I have a complaint. I don't like how things are doing here. You know, and listen, he's not going to, our pastor's not, nobody here that I know of is going to shun you or avoid you. He'll deal with that. Uh, But it'll be at the appropriate time. And listen, it'll be dealt with better anyway. Uh, The Lord will be in it. There'll be time to to really sit down and focus on that concern that you have or that issue that you have. And this is just, we always say, let all things be done decently in order. Why disrupt how our church services take place with all kinds of uh, uh, different interruptions. So, you know, I would say don't bombard our preacher right before he's preaching. And what I would also say is allow him time to decompress in fellowship when he gets out of the pulpit. He's just like you and I. And again, he stood there in spiritual warfare preaching and it's been challenging. He needs a little time to decompress, gather his, his thoughts. And listen, he needs fellowship like you and I. Give them an opportunity to fellowship with people without dealing with a problem. I think that's just good sound advice. I don't care if you guys say amen or not, but listen, uh, help them out. Listen, are we not one body? So when I have a problem with a, with a, a toenail, I don't get them, right? What do they call those things? Ingrown toenail? I got one one time and I never have an issue with it. But you know what? My hands deal with that. They go to the aid and they help and they support it, right? Whenever my body has a problem, the rest of me 
does whatever it can. And so the same is with our pastor. His role is just different. So at that time when he's preaching, that's the time for us not to bombard him with things because we know it's not the right place for it. And then we can circle back around when it's appropriate and those things will be dealt with. Give him some time to decompress and fellowship. He likes the fellowship. I know sometimes he says he doesn't, but overall it is good. He just maybe not like to like it. He doesn't like it to linger. We used to have a, a fellowship called Linger Longer. So he might not have been the linger longer type. But, but he still wants to decompress in fellowship with everyone. <clears throat> and I want to leave you with this, this closing thought here. Jesus prayed that we as believers would be one as he and the Father are one. That we would be united. And, and he prayed that the believers would be a complete unity as a witness to the world. And so that's why this is so vital, because it affects our ability to reach the lost and to execute the mission that God has given us. John 17, 22 through verse 23. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. This matter of unity affects our ability to reach the lost. And so as a member here at Liberty Baptist, will you commit with me to be a unifier of our fellowship? Commit that you won't be the division or cause the schism? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to be one. And I pray, Lord, that we would endeavor to be united. And Father, as, as individuals, that we would focus on you, Christ. And Lord, as we do that, that you would just draw us near to one another. And Father, that you would just bind us together, that we would be of one mind. And Lord, that we would all speak the same thing. And Lord, that we would just have the same care one for another that we would reach out and be a blessing and help to whoever it is that's in need. And Father, now we pray for your blessing on the service to follow. We ask that you would meet with us. Lord, we need you today, and we just pray for your Holy Spirit to fill this place and do work. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.